As we come to Scripture, we are in a season of um, transition, and within that season, we are at a period where we are seeking God's vision for our church, and, and the first thing we're doing in that, in that part of the season is seek God, to pray, to come before Him and, and ask Him to show us the direction He would have for us as a church. And he's been good. And I, 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 last week I mentioned to you, and if you weren't here, uh, if you haven't been doing it, we, we'd ask you to set a watch, set your phone, set the clock, 6.35 every day. And whatever's going on in that moment when it goes off, take a moment, take five minutes, take whatever the circumstances allow, and come before the Lord and pray for our church, pray for our vision, pray for God's leading for us as a congregation, and I want to encourage you, I have memories of what's been happening to me every day at 6.35. Uh, a few nights ago, Reuben and Mary Ensley were over, and we were making dinner, and my watch went off, and his did too. And, uh, and so we just stopped, and, and Reuben led us in a prayer. Take that time, and, and let's all be praying, and it was wonderful knowing that others among us were praying at that same moment. So I, I want to encourage you once again to be praying. And I think this passage, as we, as we dig into this psalm, as we journey on this psalm of ascents, uh, this psalm will, will help us to know what to pray, how to pray, uh, what to pray for. And so let's come to the Word of God together this morning. Let's come with prayer. Let's pray. Lord, Help us to understand, understand the word as we dig deep into a psalm that we can so easily gloss over and have, Lord, but to dig deep into it and see what you're speaking to all of us now. Lord, move by the power of your spirit. Guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we stand before your word and do your work, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to the word of the Lord in Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There the thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is the word of the Lord. That first line hits us one way or another. 
I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. It either, it either resonates with you as, as a person who looks, looks forward to Sunday morning, or it surprises you, and you wonder, why? Why would I be glad to go to church? And there are a whole series, world of stories and reasons that are behind all the possible responses we could have to the notion of being glad to go to church. But ultimately, it, it reflects how you feel about what it is that we come to do this morning, to worship, to worship God. Eugene Peterson, whose book has been a helpful guide for me along the way of, of this the Song of Ascents, he says in, of Psalm 122, it is an excellent instance of what happens when a person worships. It is, it, it's the psalm of worship, a picture of, of the heart and the practice of worship. It is the psalm of worship. It, it's, the, it's the journey of ascents. The journey of ascents, it begins in Psalm 120, with the dissatisfaction with the world that puts us on the road, that gets us going in the first place. It's, it's the looking back, Psalm 120 is. Psalm 121 is dealing with the dangers that we face all along the road and calls us to trust God that we will be delivered from all the evil. So it's, it's as we look around on the road. But this one, Psalm 122, now we focus on the destination and, and what it is we do there. We worship. So, how do you feel when you hear it? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Now, it, it shouldn't be a surprising statement for the Christian. In, in life and on the journey, there is so much that we are forced to do. We're forced to do, we are coerced by, by laws and by penalties. And to a great extent, laws keep life and in, in societies from going off the rails. We, we don't want to know what life would be like without any restrictions, complete chaos and anarchy. But we're not forced to do this, to worship. Now, I know that's not true for all of you. Some, some kids are, you know, hauled off to worship and come to church. But for the most part, we come to worship because we want to. We're glad to. And so I'm preaching to the choir here. But we, the truth is we can't finally make someone worship. We, we can get someone to the venue, but not to worship. Now, what we do with our leisure time and with our income, it exposes our values. And the amazing thing is, at least a few years ago when I read this, there are still more people on Sunday morning in church than there are at football games and golfing and out taking hikes. Eugene Peterson says, worship is the single most popular act in this land. More people are still doing this than any other single thing. And, and worship shouldn't be a surprise for our Christians. This is the natural and typical of what Christians do in most places and in most times. And we may do it in different ways. It may look different. But our heart leads us here. 
and we're glad to do it. And so why? Why, why is this such a natural thing for believers to do? And this psalm gives us three, three reasons worship is universal among Christians. The first is, it gives us a workable structure for life. It gives us a framework. Secondly, it nurtures our need to be in a relationship with God. And finally, it centers our attention on the decisions of God. First, let's go back through this. First, worship gives us a workable structure for life. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. Now, the, the, that's an image that we have to unpack a little bit. This city, it, it drew all the Hebrew people to worship three times a year from all over Israel and, and the known world. And it was built perfectly to host everyone coming together to worship God. And they came together and they, they encountered the, the great truths of the faith that, that God created them, that God redeemed them and, and provides for them. They learned the stories and the truths that make it possible to live without guilt and to live with purpose. And the city, it, it's an architectural metaphor for what worship is because everything now fits together, all the stones and all the stories. And it's true socially with all the, the 12 tribes meeting here, pursuing after the same things, saying the same things, doing the same things. And it brought unity to the people as one people, one nation, 12 tribes so different from each other, but one purpose. Veronica, my wife, has done embroidery since she was a child. It, it comes and goes, but she always eventually comes back to it. And I know that you, you keep it in a frame as you do the work, so it, the, 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 the cloth stays stretched out, and you can put every stitch in its right place. Peterson gives an example of the woman looking at her embroidery frame, he said, and, he, and he says, and she says, I don't have a frame. My feelings, my thoughts, my activities, everything is, is loose and sloppy. There is no border to my life. I never know where I am. I need a frame for my life like this one I have for my embroidery. And Peterson goes on to say, how do we get that framework, that, that sense of solid structure so that we know where we stand and are therefore able to do our work easily and without anxiety? Christians go to worship. Here, we know who we are. We know how we fit, where we stand. And worship gives us that framework for understanding life, for understanding everything. Secondly, worship nurtures our relationship with God. Worship is the, the place where we fulfill God's command to praise Him. Verse 4, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We have 
so much to be grateful for. St. Augustine said, a Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. Creation, redemption, and a sure hope with, with life at the core of our hearts and of our lives. Peterson said, the natural, honest, healthy, logical response to that is praise to God. When we praise, we are functioning at the center. We are in touch, in touch with the basic core reality of our being. Now, if you, if you listen carefully, you might have heard a con- what seems like a contradiction in what I just said. First, I said that worship is a, is a free act of a Christian's heart. It is an authentic expression of gratitude. And then, that we are commanded to worship. It is decreed. And the truth is, is that we don't always feel like worshiping. But here's the catch, that there is a difference between wanting to do something and feeling like doing it. It's a, it's a difference that, it, to a great extent, is lost in our culture. Because we live in a time that the philosophers call the age of authenticity. It's also been called the age of sensation. The idea being that our most authentic, full selves are when our feelings lead. It's even getting, getting to the point that if we feel something, it must be true. But the real truth is, if we only worshipped when we felt like it, I'm certain we wouldn't be worshipping as much as we do. And, and as the philosophies of the age touch all of us more and more in our culture and our society, worship attendance, even, even among believers, is going down, especially since COVID, because, oh, some days you just get up and you don't feel like it. But here's the thing. Feelings are absolutely important, but they are absolutely unreliable in many parts of our lives, especially our faith. Paul Scherer says, the Bible wastes very little time on the way we feel. So often we think that, that we can feel our way into acting on things. And the reality is that our actions lead us into the feelings. I, I know very few people in times that someone feels like exercising. But it feels good having done it. Most of the time. There are plenty of times I don't feel like worshiping. I'm... I'm grateful for the fact that I've been a pastor and it doesn't matter how I feel on a Sunday morning, I gotta get myself here. Uh, And I'm almost always blessed by it. When we obey the command to praise God and worship, it leads us deeper into our relationship with God and, and the feelings can follow. And finally, the third reason to keep worshiping is that it keeps us centered on God's decisions. On God's decisions. There, the thrones of judgment were set. Jerusalem is where the throne of David and his heirs were, where where people came for judgments from the throne of the king. 
And the biblical word for judgment is not so much about deciding people's value or their punishment. That's, that's how we throw around the term judgment today. And, and no one with that understanding wants to be judged, wants to be devalued, wants to be punished. But judgment here means that the king and God are fixing things and making them right. Things, things are put where they're supposed to be. This judgment this judgment does things even to apply mercy, turn wrongs into right, put all things in order, make things as they should be. And everything we do in worship is doing this. Our prayers look to God for this. The word in preaching and in its expression in the hymns does everything for us to see and to experience the world as it is and as it is becoming through the work of God. And so when we come to worship, we see the gospel. We see it in the cross. We see judgment there, our judgment on Jesus taken upon himself. We see mercy there in the forgiveness of our sins and we see God making everything right. And as we look, we worship and we're changed. And worship is the best place for us to, to experience and know the world, the whole of it, not just our, the broken part. We can turn on the news for that. Not just the broken part, but the redeemed and the glorified of it all. And moving, and it moves our head, our hearts, our whole being through the Word of God, centering us on His decisions. All of this happens in worship, at the throne of grace, and in just this short time that we give to it each week, and whenever we are drawn to worship. Then we get to the end of the psalm. And we see worship has to do with more than just the one or two hours that we give to it on Sunday morning. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It all starts with the word pray. And, and this is an interesting use of the word here. It's, it's not the word for formal prayers that are in the temple worship. It's the simple word for ask. Ask. It's like asking for a second helping because we're still hungry. Or asking Siri help for directions. Okay, I was wondering if anyone's phone was going to go off there. We have a need, we have a desire, a want for something. These prayers of our time in worship reach past this morning and into our weeks, and into the months, and years, and eons, and into eternity. And they move us beyond just our relationship with God being nurtured personally, but to our relationship in the world, in our country, and in our community, in our families, and in ourselves being transformed. Our worship reaches outside this sanctuary, and into the world, and into our future. And this is what we pray for. We pray for peace 
and we pray for security and for good. That's what we're looking for. Those first two words in Hebrew are hugely significant. Shalom, peace. Peterson describes it meaning, its meaning saying it gathers all aspects of worship, all aspects of wholeness that result from God's will being completed in us. Shalom. It is the fullness of everything God is doing in us and in the world. It carries with it the sense of fulfillment, of contentment, of completion and perfection. Everything as it is supposed to be. That's the peace we pray for. And Shalva, translated in most of the translations as security, it's, it's not so much about nothing bad or uncomfortable happening to us, not, not merely that, that level of security. But the root meaning actually means leisure, leisure, leisure. It's the contentment and relaxation of knowing that everything is all right because God is over us, with us, and for us in Jesus Christ. It is, the, it is utter contentment and satisfaction. And both of these words play on the sound of the name of the city that all this is heading towards. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Worship takes us there and is what, is what we do when we arrive. And it begins with our longing for it all along the way of the journey. Prayer for Jerusalem is the expression of the longing for our worship. That's why we're going there. It's the longing for peace and satisfaction in life. John Piper defines worship this way. He says, the essence of authentic corporate worship is the collective experience of heartfelt satisfaction in the glory of God or a troubling that we do not have it and a great longing for it. You're gonna hear this. I, I, I may have already shared that uh, definition with you before, but you're gonna hear it again and again from me. That that. that Collective experience of heartfelt satisfaction in the of the glory of God or a longing for it. That's what worship is. Peterson puts it this way. Worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. Our need for God is not taken care of by engaging in worship. It deepens. It overflows the hour and permeates the week. The need is expressed in a desire for peace and security. Our everyday needs are changed by the act of worship. We are no longer living from hand to mouth, greedily scrambling through the human rat race to make the best of what we can out of a mean existence. Our basic needs suddenly become worthy of the dignity of creatures made in the image of God, peace and security. Now, at the end of all this, we are a pragmatic people. I mean, Presbyterians of all people, those Scottish, just, okay, what does this all mean? What do we do with this? The bottom line, and, and most of our world today does look at people getting up and going to church on Sunday morning, on a peaceful Sunday morning, and think, hell, yeah, they're crazy. 
it's much better to stay at home and, and find the peace of the day there. The work of the vision team, frankly, is in this passage. It, it's, it's, in essence, the measure for us to be a church that this community can see as a place worthy of getting out of the house on Sunday morning. I, I've been a part of churches that I'm, I'm happy to worship at, worship at but, I, I, but could I, in good conscience, invite those in the community and expect them from, from, their, from where they're at to be able to worship as well? Not always. And, and, and this isn't so much about us wanting to be here. You're here. It's about the whole community, our community, finding this as a place where they could worship as well. And this is what's going to do it. If people will see the group here as a place where all are welcome to join us in worship, where people will know who we are and who God is. And our relationships with Him will be nurtured as we see God's decisions and works and salvation together and find peace, security, and satisfaction beyond all measure. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for this church, especially at 6.35 in the evening, but all the time. Pray for this church. May we be a perfect fit for this community to worship God. And if we could be known for that, we'll, we'll get people out of bed on Sunday. And whenever the opportunity of God to gather arises, we'll all be glad to come to the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful that by whatever means, through the years, you've drawn me, you've drawn us to worship. And God, you know we don't worship perfectly, but we see at its heart what it is. We see who we are and where we fit. We see our relationship with you and, and it coming together. And, and we see your will and your ways as we come to worship. And God, that is everything. God, help us to worship you. And help us to worship you in such a fashion, such a way that it is welcoming to to those in this community whom you are calling, whom you are drawing. Guide us in our relationships, guide us in every way and all that we do to be people who can connect with them and invite them and welcome them. And, and together, all of us can truly worship you. For we love you, Lord, and you are worthy. God, thank you for your word. May we, may we worship, Lord.
We love you and praise the, pray this in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.